0: Hello and welcome to another episode from Productivity Matters, the podcast that's here to help you be better at getting things done. If this is your first time here, then thank you so much for coming along. I really appreciate you taking the time to download and listen to little old me. And if you've been here before, then great. Welcome back. Thank you. In fact, this is the last of the current series as we head into the summer break. So, In traditional fashion, I'm taking a look back at some of the season's episodes, but I'm also going to focus on my favourite apps too. Whilst Productivity Matters is all about being more efficient and productive, I did record a couple of more personal episodes – One was about SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder, more commonly known as Winter Depression, and the other one told my story about diabetes. Now, I also took a look at Financial Budgeting Tool Money Dashboard, which has been brilliant for keeping me on track with my finances, allowing me to see what's going where and making small savings here and there, ensuring there's just enough in the bank to cover all the necessities. It's not a sexy subject. Money talk is still considered taboo, but it's important that we do still keep talking about it. On the productivity front, I reviewed a to-do app called Pomodun. This cleverly integrates a to-do list with a Pomodoro timer, so you remain focused and on task for a predetermined time. Staying focused is crucial, and setting deadlines for getting tasks completed, even more so to prevent tasks from just meandering along. But what about my favorite apps, the apps that are integral in my day-to-day workflow? So I'm gonna talk about uh, a few of them. There's Todoist, there's Evernote, there's uh, an automation app called Zapier, there's Google Drive, and LastPass too. So let's take a look at the first one. Which is Todoist. Regular listeners will know that I use Todoist as my task manager. I've been using it daily, and I mean daily, since last September when I found it. I'm a relative newbie, I know, but it totally changed the way that I work. Before that, I was using various methods to capture tasks and not being 100% successful about it. Uh, When I started using Todoist, everything pretty much changed. It's available across all platforms, making it very easy to access. And this is something that is suitable for individuals and also teams alike. Whether you want to collaborate with team members to get things done, you work for yourself and need to keep track of clients and tasks, or you just need a good solid task manager for your daily life, one of the strengths of Todoist is the ability to use a natural language to set dates and times for reminders. It's simple just to type, for example, call mum every Wednesday at 6pm, and Todoist will automatically create you a recurring task that appears each Wednesday. Now through the use of projects you can keep related tasks together although this isn't necessary it does make the management much easier and combining these with tags means you can create a kind of context for doing your tasks. For example if you have a number of tasks that can only be done when you're in the office then add a tag of office and when you filter on these you'll then be focused on these at the right time and not sidetracked by anything else that can't be done when you're not there. Of course, you can do the same thing with home, therefore helping to keep tasks separate. Now on the Mac, there are shortcuts available to quickly add tasks from anywhere you are without the need to open the app, and this is actually a real killer feature for me. Uh, So it just means whatever I'm doing, I can just do Command Shift A, it'll open up a little window for me to type in a task, press Enter, and it's captured. And I love the integration that exists with the email client. I use Spark Mail, and if there's an email that I need to do something with, then I can simply use the integration to add it to Todoist and I don't have to think about it anymore. There are many other features um, that are available with Todoist, such as colour coding. I've mentioned tagging and filters. Obviously, you can set priorities too. So that's Todoist. It's, um I'll say, probably my number one app that I use every day. And I don't think I would ever really be tempted away from it unless somebody could show me a real use case for not using Todoist. Um, it's the one for me. The next app that I have in my arsenal is Evernote for note-taking. Now, I use Evernote for the majority of the notes that I take. I've been a premium user since 2011, and I love it. I know there's been a bit of a love-hate relationship with the media, Uh, some saying that Evernote are in their death spiral, but there's been a sea change over the last few months They've been much more open about what they're doing to make things better, and I really do hope it comes off. Evernote is solid. Yes, it has its quirks, but don't they all? And for taking notes and storing documents, it does what it says it will, and it does it quite well, too. The search functionality is simply brilliant, especially as it searches inside documents and images, too, which means finding items is a breeze. Now, depending on how you set it up, you could use notebooks to store things, or you could use tags... And I use a combination of the two. Notebooks provide a really good structure and keep things organised. But where the note may cross boundaries, I can use a tag to double up. And creating searches for specific tags will then bring everything back regardless of which notebook that it's in. And I use tags in the shortcuts bar too, which makes it quick to access specific notes. So what do I use Evernote for? Well, as I say, it's there to capture everything, to gather ideas for this particular podcast or to keep notes about the cub pack that I run. To capture information from the web, the web clipper for Evernote is really, really fantastic. Um, I store receipts in there. I scan documents and store them in there. I can forward emails straight into uh, Evernote for important things like insurance documents or or all sorts of things like that. And I also also use it to manage social media posts. It's where I keep a sort of calendar and a checklist of what I'm posting. So Evernote, as my note-taking tool, is my app of choice. Now, let's move on to something else, and that's all about automation. I really enjoy adding a degree of automation to what I do, whether it's for business or for personal use. Automation in itself isn't an app, I get that, but the one I do use is Zapier, uh, to help me move things around. For example, after I've updated or uploaded a document to Google Drive, then a Zap will pick it up and move it to a specific directory. Saves me having to locate the directory at the time of uploading it. Or when an email arrives with an invoice or a receipt in it, I can set Zapier to automatically extract that document from the email and place it into the relevant folder within Google Drive, followed by sending me a Slack message to confirm that it's been done. I also use Zapier to pass information from a Google Sheet into an Evernote Note. Therefore, building up the information I need, I did that with my cup pack for the recent camp that we went to, I created all the information that was coming in uh, in real time, from a google form that i had sent out so when the spreadsheet was updated a new line was added zapier would pick up that line and would append it to a note in evernote and therefore at the uh, when it was all completed i had it all ready just to print out and take away now some of them make it be quite simple uh and they do take a, a little bit of effort to set up but when you've taken the effort and you've set them up then it does take away um the need to do it and it means that you can spend your concentration. Spend your time doing other things so it all does uh, make sense in the end there are tons of integrations you can explore so it's worth having a look to see what zapier could do to help you now the majority of those apps can be created quite easily via a step-by-step process which is you led through on the software it's really easy you don't need knowledge of software development although you can make really complex apps if you need to and there is some pretty good documentation on their website to help you out now Moving on to a service that I use almost daily, I have often talked about online security and the importance of taking care with your passwords and online accounts. In a recent episode, I mentioned how one of the most common passwords from accounts that had been breached was 12345. Now, this is not a safe password, it's stupid. Almost as stupid as using a birthday or a name. Hacking databases to find login details and passwords is an industry in itself. And we, that's you and me, must take responsibility for our online safety and security. You wouldn't give a stranger the keys to your house, would you? So, in an effort to offer some advice, I suggested ways in which you can create individual passwords for each of your online accounts relatively easily. You can use the three-word technique to create a strong password. So let's take three random words, truck, circus, computer. Okay, they have no bearing on each other, and put them together to get truck, circus, computer. Now, put some of the letters in uppercase, so maybe the capital C of circus and a capital C for computer. Or maybe replace letters with numbers. So you could have truck, three, IRCUS, capital C, zero, M P U T three R. That's about as random as you can get. Use a different password for each of your accounts, and you can make it really easy by using a password manager. And this is where I get on to telling you about LastPass, which I've been using for a number of years. In fact, I looked it up. I think I've been using it since two thousand and six, and it's been it's got better over the years, and it makes it so so easy to manage your passwords. First of all, it allows you to store your passwords somewhere safely, and all you need to remember in effect, is the master password to get into your LastPass account. You don't need to remember any others because they're all stored. And they're all stored securely. There's heavy security. Nobody can see the passwords inside uh, the password manager. And uh, also what LastPass can do for you is create passwords on the fly. As you're creating an account, you can ask LastPass to actually create a password for you. And you can make it really long because it doesn't matter because you don't need to remember it. Uh, It can change passwords for you, and obviously you can use it to manage when you change passwords. And you can have secure notes in there as well. This is quite a good one, so you could keep copies of your passport or driving license and things that you need to keep securely around uh, in case you you need to. Um, And then there's security challenge to see how well you're actually performing against their algorithm of passwords. It's really straightforward to use, and really you have to see it to understand it. They do have a family product as well, which means up to six people can use the same account, which brings the cost down a little bit, and it's not expensive. Although, in fact, what would you pay for your security? LastPass is just $36 a year, which is about £28 at the current rate of exchange, £2.30 a month. And if you want the family product, then that's about £38 for up to six users. Using LastPass is really easy. It's available as a browser extension on your computer, and there are apps for iOS and Android, and it is seamlessly integrated into what you're doing. As you get to a login screen, it will magically recognise where you are and populate your login details for you. You don't need to know what the password is. You don't even need to know what your username is. You don't need to hunt for sticky notes. You don't need to look it up in the Notes app on your phone. It's just there. I can't recommend it highly enough, It could save you from being one of the statistics that are hacked due to poor security. You'll find details and a link in the show notes. Right, we're on to the last app that I want to talk about now. This is more of a service, really. It's Google Drive uh, for online storage, and it's here that I create the majority of my documentation for work and for play. When you create a Google account, you get 15 gigabytes of storage for free. And the storage is used by Gmail, if you use Gmail, Google Drive itself, and also Google Photos. So you can store files, save your email attachments, backup photos, and um, if you need more than 15 gigabytes, you can upgrade to what's now known as Google One. I'll give you some details about that in a moment. You can store pretty much any file type, even Microsoft Office files, so no matter what the type of file it is, everything can just be stored in Drive, and because it's online, it's accessible pretty much everywhere but it's not just about storage. You also get access to Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google Slides, they're the Microsoft equivalent of Word, Excel, and PowerPoint, as well as also forms for creating surveys, and there's lots more too. Files that are created in Google Drive using Docs, Sheets, or Slides, or whatever, do not count towards your storage space. So you you can get even more from your uh, documentation. And, as I said earlier, whilst uh, it's an online service, you can make documents available offline so you can work on them when you don't have access to the Internet. Now, all files are private until you decide you want to share them. You can invite other people to view files uh, to make a comment on them or even to edit a file or a folder that you choose it is terrific for online collaboration something that I did quite a lot recently as I mentioned camp when we went to camp and when we were planning that we used a Google um, sheet it was to actually um, collaborate and work out what we were doing now what does this cost? Because as I said, the 15 gigabytes is free. There is Google One, which does upgrade to two more tiers. And this is 100 gigabytes, which is a whopping £16 per year. <laughs> yeah, it's only £16 for 100 gigabytes. And so price isn't really an issue. And 100 gigabytes is an awful lot of files Now, I have original recordings made for this podcast, which I I recorded in GarageBand, and also the MP3 files and all for all of these episodes, and they're all stored in Google Drive with loads of space available. And if 100 gigabytes isn't enough for you, the next tier is 200 gigabytes for just £25 per year. So really, if you're looking for some additional storage, then Google Drive is the one I use. I've been very happy with it. No complaints from me. Okay, so I've got a bit of a bonus for you here. I've mentioned previously how I was reading and getting to grips with getting things done. The productivity methodology that was introduced to us about 10 years ago by David Allen. It's a fascinating way to work and whilst it does take time and effort to build into your workflow, I am starting to see the benefits. Now without going into too much detail, GTD as it's known is around five key areas and I've taken these from the website so uh, I don't get them wrong and therefore you may recognize some of the phraseology here but step one is capturing and this is the the bit that I have really hooked on to capture 100% of everything that has your attention whether it's little whether it's big whether it's personal or whether it's professional Capture absolutely everything you need to do, and that is where Todoist does it for me. I put everything in there, and then I can sort through it. That's where the clarifying part of it comes in. Decide if it's actionable, and if you can't do anything with it, throw it away, or put it to one side for later, or if you can't do it yourself, delegate it. Uh, But that's what you need to do, so you spend a little time going through and clarifying each of the things you need to do. Then you need to organise, which means creating action reminders on your lists in your system. So you've gone through, you've clarified what you need to do, now you need to organise it into dates, times, where and when. Put reminders on them to get them uh, sorted. Then there's the reflecting part of the process. Looking over your lists frequently to determine what to do next. Do a weekly review to bring yourself current and update your lists and clear your mind it is a weekly review I tend to go through my to-do list on a daily basis just to see what there is uh, but and and I need to get into the habit of, of being a bit stricter about it but to do a weekly review just to make sure that everything is is you've got everything and you also captured everything you haven't missed anything out go through go around the house pick up all the bits and pieces that you've left lying around and put them all into your to-do list and the final part is engaging, using your system to take the appropriate actions with confidence. You know you've got everything and you can absolutely get it all sorted. By following the methodology, you can instill some formality in what you need to achieve while never losing sight of all of the tasks. Now, I'm still building the flow that works for me. There are little bits that I need to tinker with. But even in the early stages, it's made a huge difference to the way that I work. Okay, so to round things off, there are other apps, of course, that I use all the time, such as Fantastical 2 for my calendar on both my iPhone and my MacBook. I use Buffer for scheduling my social media posts. No, I don't wait up until 2 o'clock in the morning to send a tweet. And there's Canva as well, which is an online graphic design tool, which I use to create the artwork for this very podcast, as well as any other media uses that I need. And I use Slack, the messaging and communication tool. I use that at work, and I also use it personally too. And in the latest episode, I talked about constant app changing and the negative effect it can have on productivity. Now, learning new apps and the time spent building it into your workflow will definitely detract from doing your actual work, so it should only be done as a last resort. Well, that's my opinion. And that's it for this episode, indeed, for the series. I hope you've enjoyed it and you've got something from some, if not all, of the information that I've imparted. Details for all of the products and the services are in the show notes. Do you use any of the apps that I mentioned? Any of them? None of them? What do you use? I will be back with a new series after the summer break and if there's anything you'd like me to cover then please don't hesitate to get in touch. Contact details can be found in the show notes. If you haven't already, then please follow me where you normally listen to your podcasts. Just click the subscribe button and the episodes will magically appear when they become available. Thank you very much for listening and until next time, remember... Productivity Matters.